Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Sounds like Jaws up there. Is that you, Pastor Sean? Freaky. A little freaky. But <laughs> a little, we're talking over to a little freaky, freaky. Man, I'm so excited to be with you guys today. I'm Barry. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would love to meet you at some point during the day. We just love that you guys are worshiping with us today. And as, as Pastor Sean said, that we are finishing up just what I consider to be an awesome message series called Anxious for Nothing. And I know it's really hit home for a lot of us. Because every, every day, every week, every month, every year, we just seem like we just get piled out with stress and anxiety and burnout. And so just to hear what God has to say about it has just been really refreshing. And today we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. And I hope it is in a really powerful way on the subject of prayer and when all else fails. So if you guys would, would you stand with me? We're going to read in Philippians chapter 4. We've done this the last several weeks and I want to do it again today. So read with me in Philippians 4. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to who? God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we want to come before you. We want to lift you up. God, you are good. You are almighty. And you love us, and you love us as a father. We thank you for that. Lord, I want to pray for this, for this crew, for this gathering. Lord, just help us to learn what you really intend for prayer to be in our lives. And we ask these things. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. But before you do that, give somebody a big high five and say, just pray. And I love your guys' energy. So for me, here's the thing. Prayer is just like this super interesting subject, right? And it's interesting in the sense, it's like, when you talk to people, man, prayer is not the first thing that comes up when you talk just to Joe Blow on the street, is it? They're like, what are you talking about prayer for? Are you one of those weirdos, one of those guys that go to church? We live in a world and we hear it all the time. Our culture and society around us are becoming more secular or even more atheistic. And I, I feel that in some ways, I feel that that is true. But then there's other times I'm like, I don't know if that's so sure because I think there's this innate need in us to pray. And I see that all the time, but I especially see it when that Powerball gets up to about 500 million. Man, everybody around me is praying. I see him praying, Jesus, Jesus, please, just please, one time, let me win the Powerball, right? Have you guys heard that? And it's kind of messed up, right? You know, on one hand, oh, I don't believe in prayer. But when the rubber hits the road, yeah, then they're praying to Jesus. And, and, and even though it's messed up, I think the church messes prayer up too. And we do it all the time. And I've grown up in church my whole life. Because on one hand, I've grown up around a lot of people that they pray, but they don't expect God to show up. And it's just something, oh yeah, you're supposed to do that. But they really don't mean it. And then on the other side, I've been around some people like, oh yeah, I pray every day. And if you don't pray, you know, you're not in God's will. And guess what? If you pray the right way, you're going to have everything you've ever dreamed of. You're going to have health, wealth. You're going to have everything. And if you don't have those two things, 
you're probably not in God's will, right? You don't have enough faith. But I think both of these sides, they miss the boat, right? Because I think we're missing what God really wants for prayer. And it is something that we have to have in our lives. Because we talked about anxious for nothing. So prayer is something that we have to go to. It's something that could and should protect us from the anxiety, the stress, the burnout. So how do we mess it up and why do we mess it up? Because if I went to you guys and you're like, eh, Barry, I'm stressed out. I don't know what I'm going to do. We have the right answers. You know what? Read our Bible and pray, right? So we have the answers, but why doesn't it work out the way that we think that it should? And I think it's, it's for two reasons. And most of it's this, is that prayer for most of us, and I include myself in this boat. I'm not, I'm not exempt from this. Prayer sometimes is the last resort. Well, when all else fails, I guess I'll pray. But is that really what it is? So when things go bad, you know, we start to pray. You know, for example, like, so you're driving down the road and you're jamming out to, uh, to your favorite song, whatever that might be, in the radio. And then all of a sudden you just get this pain. And you notice that gas station burrito that you ate 20 minutes ago that you just couldn't pass up, right? And all of a sudden you're praying like you've never prayed before. You got sweat coming down your face and you're like, Lord, I will give my firstborn, I will give my next years of paychecks to just let a bathroom be over the next hill. You were praying hard. Or I know if you guys are Chiefs fans here, you guys were praying super hard on Thursday night. I know you were down on your knees when you saw Mahomes grabbing his, right? You guys were praying super hard. So we pray when things are bad. But how about we pray when things are truly, really bad? When you're like, Jesus, I have to have a paycheck this week or my lights are going to get turned off. Or Jesus, you know, don't let her leave this time. Jesus, can you please, please, please just take the cancer away? And so we're all in that boat sometimes. But here's the thing. Is that what prayer really is? Is it really just the last option? Is it our last resort? Is that what Jesus intended to be? Because I don't think that's really what God's intent for prayer was. It wasn't to be a last resort, but it was meant to be a consistent activity in our life. And I think about David in the Old Testament. If you don't know who David is, he was a king, and he was just one of the great figures of the Bible. And he was called a man after God's own heart. And if you know anything about David, one of the things that's always been strange to me is, is that you know David really screwed up. He murdered and he committed adultery. He probably did more than anybody in here ever thought about doing. And yet God called him a man after God's own heart. And that's kind of weird, right? So the question becomes why? And I think when you start reading through what David actually did and how he interacted with God, we see why he was called a man after God's own heart. Because he was always constantly praying. Not only in the bad times, but in the good times as well. And if you don't believe me, there's a whole book. It's called the Psalms. Just read through those and you'll see what God was pouring or what David was pouring out to God. And he always did it. And I, I've seen that in my own life and some of the circumstances that I've been in. You know, David was a leader of Israel. And I've had the fortunate you know, responsibility of being on a couple different church boards, some deacon boards, things like that. And I've seen it, what prayer does to a group that is leading a, a group like this, a gathering, a church. Because when prayer isn't on the leadership's heart, man, just everything just goes. And you see one pitfall after another. And I, I'm probably not telling anything you guys don't know. You guys have experienced at some level. And so when I've, seen, when I've seen it done well and I've seen people on their knees before God, it's not that problems never come. But the problems are they're already being handled and the Holy Spirit's already involved because they've gone, the people have gone to God as a first response, not as a last resort. And so how do we move from prayer from being that last, that last resort to a first response? And here's, what, here's how I want to tie it in for you guys and give you this analogy. 
I think prayer is a lot like muscle memory. Do you guys know what muscle memory is? Muscle memory is something that you get after learning a, a technique, a skill, a sport, something that's it's kind of awkward at first, but after a while it becomes second nature. How many people, can you guys raise your hands? How many play sports in here? Anybody? How many people learn an instrument? How many people have a technical trade that requires a lot of skill? So most of you guys know what it means to have some sort of muscle memory. For me, I got, I've gotten to do a lot of those things, but one of my favorites was this. I've loved sports and I've always have, and I grew up playing them. And my sport was baseball. And so, growing up, I was always tall, thin, but I could throw a baseball hard. And I mean, by the time I was 15 or 16, I was six foot tall, and I was a buck 25, buck 30, but I could bring that heat, right? I would come in, I would, a lot of people don't believe me, I was throwing low 90s by the time I was 15, 16 years old. And I'm not a violent person, but that was my spot. And if you guys watch pitchers, they love to be in command. And that's who I was. That's what I loved to do. In fact, that strike zone was mine. You better not get in there if you're a batter. I would throw at you. Just asked a few dads at a father-son game. <laughs> One guy walked away, he had a bruise for two months. <laughs> so, but when you're learning a skill like pitching, you know, you look at somebody like, you know, Nolan Ryan or Brett Saberhagen or whoever you like today, it's poetry in motion. And it looks really easy and it looks really smooth, but that's not the case. And if you've ever done it, you know it's not, it's not easy. So when I was growing up learning it, I had to learn what the techniques were. I had to learn how to move, how to position your body. But then I also have brought a lot of bad habits. Because I'd grown up before I'd ever played organized baseball doing stuff on my own. They're like, no, 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 you don't do it that way. That's not how you meant to do it. So we learned and we eliminated and we practiced. And over time, not that I ever made it to that level, but you become proficient and it becomes muscle memory. Well, prayer is the same way, and that's how I want to relate it to you guys. Because for a lot of us, prayer is awkward, and it doesn't feel natural, and it doesn't feel right. But over time, God calls us to continue to, to learn what prayer is, to eliminate some of the bad habits that we have with it, and then just continue to keep practicing. And here's the, the main issue is this, is that we don't look at the prayer the same way that Jesus did. Because for us, it's that last-ditch effort just to come fix something. It's what we do when all else fails. But for Jesus, it truly was a way of life. He prayed in the good times. He prayed in the bad times. When we come with poor motivations or bad habits, what often happens is this, is though two, two major things happen to us. When it comes to prayer, a lot of times, some of us, we feel intimidated. Or maybe you feel defeated, or both. So what does that look like? You know, intimidation, it's, it's an easy one to think about. When, you, when, you, when you're in a group, or we're in a huddle, and we're getting ready to come together as a team, you're like, who wants to pray? What does everybody do? <laughs> or you're at Thanksgiving dinner and you're the only one that goes to church. And everybody's like, oh, we got to ask the blessing, don't we? And what happens? Everybody's eyes go to you because they know you go to church and you're just starting to, like, oh man, heart starts beating. I don't know, it feels it's intimidating, right? Because we don't, you know, we're not always practicing. You know, I think about it. Somebody said, well, what do you pray about when, when, the, when times are good? And the guy's like, uh, God, uh, man, everything's going all right, so how are you doing? It just gets awkward, doesn't it? So sometimes prayer is intimidating. But oftentimes, and this is probably the reality for the majority of us, is prayer sometimes feels defeating. Because you're asking God for something that, that you know is right, but it doesn't seem to come through, does it? and it doesn't happen. I think a situation in my life, and this is several years ago, my wife and I, had, we had some really good friends. And they got in a spot in their marriage where they just stuff was breaking apart and things weren't going well. And he comes to me one day, and he's like, I think I'm going to leave my wife. And I'm 
like, what's going on? He's like, well, you know she had cancer. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, she, now she can't have kids because she had to have a hysterectomy, and I've always wanted kids. I'm like, okay, well, you know, God's given us away. You know, you can adopt. You can, you know, there's other avenues you can pursue. And he just wasn't having it. And I just saw him walking down that path, and he was going to leave his wife. And I met with him several times, and I counseled him. And I was praying. I was like, God, just put this, put this family back together. Because they had, they had kids from other relationships. And I could just see the destruction that was going to come. And I was constantly praying and counseling them. And when it was all said and done, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He walked away and he left. And I know the situation wasn't about me, but at some level, I, I just felt a little defeated. And maybe you guys have been there too, because you've prayed over and over and over for something good in your lives. Or for God to take something bad away. And it didn't turn out the way that you wanted, or the way that you hoped, or the way you thought that it should. And so you start answering and asking these questions. Does God really care about me? Am I being judged? Did I do something wrong? Or, you know, maybe God does love me, but he's not big enough to fix it. Or maybe, maybe you've been the person in the room who's like, is he even there? You start asking yourself that question. So prayer is, a, is an avenue. Sometimes we feel defeated and intimidated. But God has called us to something bigger. And God gives us a model of prayer so we don't have to wonder about what it really is. So what is the point of prayer? What does Jesus say is the point of prayer? And I want to turn, I want you guys to look at, at, a, at a chapter that Jesus just lays this out. It's called Matthew chapter 6. And he takes the time because he feels it's so important to Jesus about prayer. And so in that, Jesus is a great teacher. He starts off by giving us two warnings and then a model on how to do it. But with the warnings, he's like, here's what prayer isn't. And in Matthew 6, 5, I want you guys to read this with me. And Jesus starts off this way. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. The hypocrites are somebody that has it all put together. They have the perfect face. They wear the right clothes. But they come into the gathering and they look the part, but their heart's not with God. So that's what a hypocrite is. For they love to pray standing on or in the synagogues, a church, or on the street corners to be seen by others. And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. So the first warning from Jesus is this. Prayer is not about manipulating people. If you guys have ever seen it, it is not pretty. If you guys have ever done it, it's not pretty. And I, here's the thing. We have to be careful about, about manipulating people. So let me talk about real quick what Jesus isn't talking about here. He's not saying don't pray in public because Jesus did it. He calls us to pray for and around and with other people. So it, when Jesus is saying here, don't, don't pray in the synagogues and like corners, it can't mean don't pray in public. That's not what Jesus is talking about. But what I think Jesus is challenging us with when he's talking about manipulating people here is, what is your motivation in what you're doing? And this is something, you know, Pastor John, I'm sure he would, he would agree. If you come up and you run a huddle and you run a team or you're up here on stage, you constantly have to ask yourself, am I doing what I'm doing for God or to look good? Or you've known the person that uh, went to Bible college, so I know a lot of these people, so I'm not throwing too many stones. But you ever meet the guy that just pre prays in Old English? God, I love thee. Let's be more closer to, nearer to thee. And I'm just like, first time I come across that, I'm like, who is this guy? Is he Shakespeare? <laughs> but man, he prayed so powerfully. You just didn't question his motivation. Like, yeah, that guy walks. He walks with God. I mean, he prays in the KJV. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Don't challenge that guy. He, he has it all together. <clears throat> and a lot of those guys did have great hearts. So I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm poking a little fun, but not completely. But I've, I've been with other people. 
and they're standing on the street corners, literally sometimes, and they're saying, you're going to hell, and God doesn't love you. And they're praying for damnation on these people. And they're doing it, and they're throwing themselves up, and they're putting themselves at the pinnacle. And we've, we've all seen that. And a lot of times when we've done that, you know, I, had a, I also had a family member that would love to pray, pray all the time, but they would call the person out that they had a problem with. <clears throat> you guys ever hear that? <clears throat> I don't want to pray for Pastor Sean right now. He just, uh, he's not treating me right. He's coming down hard on the worship team. And I just, uh, that message last week was a little weak. And, uh, and so we love Pastor Sean. So let's all pray for him. Wrap our hands around him right now. So prayer can be about manipulating people, right? About making ourselves look good or shaming other people. And that's not what God's called us to do. Because God has something better for us in prayer. So that's warning one. So God gives us a way to work this out. In Matthew 6, read with me. He says, when you pray, go into the room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I think this is a reminder for Jesus to us is that primarily our relationship with God, it's about, it's about the relationship between us and God. So we go to him. We talk to him. And it's not about coming and shaming people. It's about getting before God on our knees and say, God, you know, what do you want? This is about you and I. And then he talks about a reward, and I want to come to back that at the end. So let's pick up in, uh, in chapter, or in, in verse 7. It says, <clears throat> we'll get to the second warning. And Jesus says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So if you don't know what a pagan is, it's somebody that, in that time, in that culture, was somebody that just prayed to all the gods. And so for the first, when they prayed for the first five or ten minutes, Man, they would throw up every term they knew for God, and they would say, in Jesus' name, in Allah's name, and Yahweh, and Kanye West, and Buddha. You know, they'd just throw them all out there, right? And what they were doing was, they didn't know who was real. They didn't know what to expect, and so they would just throw everything out there. And then they would say those names, and they'd say, and we need rain. Thank you. Amen. And so prayer for them was saying the right things. It was kind of like a formula coming up with and they were going to manipulate the gods to get what they wanted. And I think for a lot of us, we may not use a word as strong as manipulate, but I think this is a trap that probably everybody in here has fallen into at one time in their lives, including myself. What do we look at God as? Is he the genie in the bottle? God's warning here is this. Prayer is not about manipulating God. I think this is why we oftentimes only pray to God in the hard times. Why else do we pray? I need something. I'm going to come to God and tell him what I need. Well, what happens in that situation? We set ourselves up for some sort of failure, right? Because, God, I need this. And then what happens? What if he gives it to us? Well, the next time I talk to God is when I need something again, right? What happens when he doesn't give us what we want? Well, what's wrong? Is there something wrong with him? Is there something wrong with me? We, we get this disappointment with God because he didn't grant the prayer that we asked for. And we have a crisis of faith. I think prayer is more about a relationship. It's not a transaction. So God gives us these two warnings. And then he gives us this model. And it's called the Lord's Prayer. And a lot of you probably memorized it. If not, you probably heard it at some point. Matthew 6, 9, he picks it up. And I think the Lord's Prayer gets to the heart of what prayer is. And Jesus says this, this is, this, this is how you then should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be 
your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, first of all, addresses who God is. Hallowed be your name. Holy. God is holy. God is infinite. God is powerful. God is great. God is good. But not only is he all those things, he's your father. And this is the third time that he has used this term, father. And Jesus does it with intention. Because even though God is infinite and great, he is right here and he loves you and he has a relationship with you or he wants to have a relationship with you. And then he says, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, when you go back to the Greek, it's this idea of it's not just somewhere out far away. Heaven is what's around us in this gathering, in your room, in the kitchen, at your job. God is present there. So God gives us two things here. He talks about who God is and where he is. So God is holy. He's our father and he is right here. And then I want to pick up in verse 11. He says this, give us today our daily bread. So Jesus is encouraging us. Take your request to God. What are your needs? Your daily bread. You got to make the payments. You need a job. Those are things, those are good to pray for. But what we have to be careful of is inserting and flipping what our needs and wants are. And when God talks about having his will done in earth as it is in heaven, that's talking about what God wants. And, God's, and Jesus is saying, let us pray to want the things that God wants. Because what happens in heaven needs to happen on earth as well. And I think, here, here's what I think back about for myself as well. I'm more like, I'm less like Jesus than, and I'm more like Ricky Bobby. Do you guys know who Ricky Bobby is? <laughs> if you've seen Talladega Nights, you get the joke. He's praying to the, the little baby Jesus, eight and a half pounds. And he goes on, right? He's like, and God, you know, please give me the winning race for the NASCAR. And I got to throw a power eight sponsorship in there for this blessing because I'm required to. And oftentimes I find myself praying more like Ricky Bobby than Jesus. It's about what I want and what Jesus needs to give me. And that's, the, that's how I come. And I heard this great quote the other, not too long ago. And it said, if God granted you every prayer that you've ever, ever wanted, he granted all of them. Would the world be different or just your life? So Jesus comes back to that point and he's praying for God's will to be done, not only in our lives and not just in heaven, but in the whole earth. And so Jesus comes back to this point and he picks up in verse 13. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is one that's uh, it's, it's, it's a little different for a lot of people. What does that mean? Well, I think we understand what temptation is. And that's what the whole, this whole message series is about. A lot of us, we're tempted just to live in anxiety and stress and burnout and fear. We get comfortable there. We say we don't like it, but it's a temptation to stay there. God has given us prayer, not only as that last resort, it's the first response. It's our constant, consistent activity in our lives. And so when that, when that temptation comes to stay there, we don't, we don't stay and wallow in that stress and anxiety. We give it to God. It doesn't automatically erase the problem, but it reminds us that we have a relationship with the Father who cares about us and has our best in mind. And when, and when Satan's there, the evil one, there is a person, there is an entity, there is a power that has, has it out for you. I don't know how else to say it. Paul talks about it. Peter talks about it. And that's what we see in the chaos and the destruction that you guys face, whether it's the cancer or the broken relationships. It's the chaos that comes in life. And I don't know, I really don't know how people live without prayer. 
without prayer, there is no consistency. There is no muscle memory. There is no joy that, the, that God has. There is no peace. We have an avenue that God has given us. And, and when we think about all this thing, we think about what that relationship is. And so Jesus is encouraging us to pray relationally. And that relationship is the root and the bedrock and the foundation of what God has for us. And so let's go back to Philippians 6, 7. Because I think these verses, they tie and they dovetail just beautifully. And we start off reading. And uh, let's go back to verse 6. And Paul's talking about, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These things dovetail beautifully. When we practice that muscle memory and that consistency of prayer, we take our request to God. And it's not just the last thing that we do. It's the first thing we do in the morning. God, we want to want the things that you want. God, we want to live the way that you want us to live. And no matter if it's a good time or the chaos is in our face, we know that you're still our Father and you have a relationship with us. <clears throat> so many times, you know, we learn through analogies and what we compare and we, we can relate to. So when we have this, when we talk about our relationship with God, one of the easiest ways is just think about our relationships with our fathers or as fathers we have with our kids. And my wife and I, we've been blessed to have four kids. The first three, we screwed up on our own. They're our biological kids. The fourth one, we had an opportunity to adopt her and her name's Brianna. And if you've got to know her, you know how special she is in good ways and in bad, right? She brings her own, her own special uh, tribulations. Because if you don't know her story, she came from a background, and I won't go into everything, but she saw neglect, abuse, everything that you can imagine coming from, not only the, the, the family original that, that she came from, but even in the foster care system, she saw everything, experienced a lot that, and, and more than any, any kid should ever have. But here's the thing about Brianna, here's the thing that if you don't know her, you wouldn't know, is that she was super smart. Not only books, but she's street smart. She knows how to get to what she wants. And that's what happens when you become a survivor. And so every kid has their own, own little peccadillos, their own little issues, right? But she presented a different set of, of circumstances or issues that we weren't ready to deal with. And so she came into our family and she, she walked into a situation where she was uh, still angling and trying to get what she wanted out of things, right? So she would come up and right away she would call us mom, she would call us dad. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know? But what I didn't know was she was, she was getting at me. She's like, oh, I'm gonna twist those heartstrings, right? You guys ever do that? Have you guys ever seen that? And so she's like, daddy, 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 I really want 25 cookies, not just two. 25? She's like, yeah, I need 25 cookies or whatever it was. And I got to see how she was interacting with us. And I started thinking, you know, sometimes maybe that's how I've interacted with God. So Brianna was putting me in a no, and Christy in no-win situations because she asked for something that she wasn't good for her or she didn't need, like the 25 cookies. She put us in a no-win situation because what happened if we gave into it? Number one, it wasn't good for her. And number two, she only came when she wanted something. It wasn't about having a relationship. And then what happened when we said no? Anger, shutdown, slamming doors. How often do we do that with God? I know it's been true in my life. God, I want this. 
I didn't think I need this. And sometimes I got what I thought I wanted and it wasn't what I thought I needed. And then sometimes we, the answer was no. And then I got mad and angry. Well, why not? I don't understand. Don't you love me? Don't you care about me? So in the same way that, that Brianna put us in that no situation, I have done that to God. When we do that, we break that relationship that God wants us to have. God has called us to have this relationship, to work through and love and connect with Him. Here's the thing. If you're a father, if you're a parent, you know what your kids need. You really know. Now, they might not always know, but they, you, you have no doubt. You have the experience. You have the knowledge. You know what they need. But what do you want? You'll give that to them. You'll even give them some of their wants. But it's not about, it's not about just need, meeting those, those wants and those needs. You want to have a relationship with your kids, don't you? Isn't that the goal? In a healthy relationship, it is. So if that's true of earthly relationships, of fathers to sons and daughters, it is much more true. It's multiplied by infinity for God for us. God wants the best for each person in here. He knows what you need. He absolutely does. Keep bringing them to him because it's good for us to recognize that our needs are ultimately supplied by God. But we have to also realize that what we want should be in accordance with what God wants. And ultimately, prayer is just that connection with God. It's that connection with Him that just eliminates bad motivations. It eliminates so many things that just hinder us. It breaks through that intimidation. It breaks through that feeling defeated. When we know that we have a relationship with God, you know, I may not have it all figured out, and I may not have all the answers, and I may feel frustrated sometimes. But I know that God cares about me and He loves me. So I want you guys to think about that stuff this week. And I want, you know, ultimately I want you guys to put this into practice. Make prayer a muscle memory. And I, know, I guarantee it, if it doesn't, for a lot of us, it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel weird. But, but I want us to start practicing this model. And I'm going to pray for us real quick. And I'm going to give you a quick model. And I want you guys to think of something this week that is really either super important to you or you feel that it's just you're lost or you're in the chaos without it, whether it's a relationship or whether it's your job, whatever that might be. Take this model of prayer that God has given us and I want you to put it in practice this week. So I want you guys to pray with me. God, I want to acknowledge that you are good. You are the creator of the universe. You are infinite. You are powerful. And while those, all those things are true, you are still our father. You are our daddy. You care about us more than anybody in this world ever could or has. You want the best for us. We know that you're with us no matter where we go, whether it's in this gathering right now, or whether it's in the car when we leave, or whether it's in our jobs, or whether it's in our in our homes. We know that you're always surrounding us, thinking about us, and, and there for us. God, please help us want the things that you want. Lord, we want to we want to pursue the ends that you have, the vision that you should have for us individually and for us as a church. Lord, help us to realize that you have our best and that you care about our needs as well. Lord, I pray that you give us a path away from the temptations in our life, the temptation just to stay in that stress and anxiety, the stress just to turn to prayer, just a last resort. I pray that you make that a constant daily, hourly activity. Lord, deliver us from the one that wants to defeat us from the chaos of our lives, the chaos of, of real life. Lord, I pray that you're in that and that you protect us. 
And I pray that, that you come and just get all the honor and glory from everything that you do and are. Lord, as we continue to pray, I want to pray for each person here that claims you as a father. And I pray for them. And I want them to, to know that what prayer isn't. It's not about manipulating people. It's not about manipulating you. Lord, help us not to turn you into some sort of cosmic genie or make-a-wish foundation. God, help us to have this deep relationship with you, the creator of the universe. And I want to pray for a person here that has just a broken relationship, doesn't know where to turn, or has an addiction that's stalking them in every corner, or who just seems like they're one moment or one dollar from financial destruction. Lord, I want to pray for all of those. But I also want to pray for the person whose family seems and is healthy, and they've had enough, and they have their health. Lord, I want to pray for each of your children here. Lord, help them to grow humbly in that relationship with you. Finally, I want to pray for the person here who doesn't know what I'm talking about, the one that doesn't have a relationship with God. In fact, if you're, if you're here, I won't call you out. I would love to pray for you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's having God as a father. If you would lift your hand, I would love to pray for you. I will pray for you to just have and establish that relationship with God. If you've raised your hand, or even if you haven't, and you're in that situation, just pray along with me. God, I know that I have anxiety, stress, and chaos all around me. And I know that I can't, and I haven't defeated those things on my own. And until now, I didn't know why. God, I now know that my sin has separated me from you. But God, I want to reach out at this point and accept your adoption into your family. Holy God, loving Father, forgive me and bring me into your family. And I know now that you are my Savior. Amen.